morning at VCC. We are overjoyed to have you here with us this morning. If you're new with us this morning, we want to get to know you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen so that we can get connected. Here at NBCC, we are a church that prays together, worships together, and serves together. If you want to get connected and involved with serving, go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen. We're going to move into a time of worship here this morning. So please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this awesome time.
crazy I'm sinking by the wonder of you Here inside the glory We give our lives for you We cry holy, holy are you Our hearts are Satisfied by you Love is our reward That's why we ask for more of
Even though the music has stopped, we do not have to stop in our time of worship. We want to continue to worship through giving. We've tried to make this as easy as possible for you, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website to give. We are super hungry for the Word and totally excited to hear what Pastor Mike has to say. So let's head on over and jump in. Hey, so glad we could be together here at NBCC again. I'm having so much fun with the series that we're doing right now. We've called it, um, You Asked For It. A couple of months ago, I asked our folks to write down any question you have about God, Bible, culture, relationships, marriage, friendships. And so we took the four top questions and looking at them in the light of God's word and hopefully getting some helpful help on how do we do this thing called Christianity so much better and answer specific questions. So the two questions we're taking today are, what do I do when I've lost my passion for God? How do I find it? And if I didn't have a passion for God, how do I get that one? And then number two was, um, how do I fix those broken relationships in my life? So let's hit the first one today about restoring our passion. It, real quick, what I don't want us to do is to go, hey man, this message would be great for somebody else. You know, text them, say, hey, get online. You got to watch NVCC today because this is for you. I'd rather we really look at this and go, hey, this is for me. How can I live a more passionate, on-fire relationship with God? 
And so um, we're going to break this down in the book of Revelation. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 2. We'll get there in just a second. Um, I think what's happened in COVID um, in the last uh, year has done two things to us who call ourselves followers of Christ. Um, COVID and every, everything that has come out of this last year, um, unfortunately, people have gotten sick and some people have died, which is a tragedy. But I think it, what it's done to the church, because it's really kind of changed everything and how we do church, is that we've, number one, gotten really, really passionate for God and we've become more committed and more devoted. Or secondly, we've become really complacent and apathetic. I, I just see those two two quick um, divides here that we've either become more passionate or we've become more complacent. Today at the end of this quick message, I hope we become more passionately in love with Jesus and passionate about the things of God. The question is, how do we get there? Um, how do we know when somebody's passionate about something? Um, one guy said this, he said, when his voice gets a little bit louder, you know he's passionate about this thing. One person said it's when they pound the table a little bit more, they're passionate about what they're talking about. One guy said when his vein in his neck bulges a little bit more, he's passionate about something that he's talking about. One person said it's what I spend most of my time thinking about and doing. Um, I think it's this. What is it that brings your greatest joy? And that very first thing you start talking about and naturally you just start doing it. That's the passion of your life. So, there are three people in the Bible that I think are great examples of their passion and not talking about emotion, really, not talking about level of excitement. I think our passion is related to our action. So there are three people that I say match their emotion with their action. Number one is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we're going to read here in just a second, um, established the Ephesian church. The Ephesian group of believers back in the day 2,000 years ago were a great church, a great people. They were doing some great things. Paul was there for three years. He established a church. He had brought a few people to Jesus Christ and said, look, I'm going to train you guys to start this church. And all of a sudden, man, Christianity was exploding through a culture in Ephesus, which is much like South County. When we look at the Ephesian church back in the day and the culture of the Ephesian city, 2,000 years ago, they were very economically driven. They were really concerned about the outward, the image. Um, they were um, basically good people. Unfortunately, they were following a lot of false idols. They had actually built this temple to uh, Diana, and they were following these false gods, and they're really missing out on the God who created them. That's why I think um, the Apostle Paul, in his passion for doing what God called him to do, man, Christianity took off like a wildfire. Because those who believed in Jesus, they found their passion in God and they found out why they were created. I think another guy in the Bible that was passionate was Peter. The Apostle Peter, man, he was passionate about fishing. He wanted to make his fishing business grow even that much um, further. So when he met Jesus, he switched his passion from fishing to his now, his passion was following God and doing the things of God. And even though he made a lot of mistakes, he did a lot of good things. But he was certainly passionate about following God. I think the third guy, and is most intriguing to me, is John the Baptist. I, I think John the Baptist was a guy, I think if he was going to speak here at Michigan Christian Church this Sunday at our 10 a.m. service out here on our artificial grass, I think he would not do a 20-minute message, and I do not think his message would be a very nice, flowery message. I think he would get right to truth. I think it would be convicting, and I think he would speak for hours. I do think that we would attract thousands of people if the apostle um, um, John the Baptist was here today. Why do I say that? 
Because in the Gospels, it actually says the entire countryside came out to hear John the Baptist speak. Was it because of the tone of his voice? Was it because of his great oratory skill? I don't think so. I think he was so filled with the Holy Spirit. And because he was so passionate about God, his message matched his life. That, to me, is when we know we're passionate about God is when our message and what we deem as important matches our action. So the Ephesian church was a good church. They were doing some great things. Let's read about it. But there was one thing they were missing. So let's look at it together. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Spirit of God is speaking to John. He writes down these words about the future coming of Jesus, which is really exciting that Jesus is coming back. We have hope. And he wants us to put our hope in God and not hope in this world. But there are seven churches he writes to, and the Ephesian church they're doing good, but they got one huge important thing that they're missing. So he says this, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's, of course, the, 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 the writer here is talking about Jesus. The very presence of God in the church comes from Jesus. I know your deeds, your hard work, your persevering. I, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You stand for truth. You do what's right that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. I'm glad that you have a standard. The word of God is your standard in your church. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. I know that there's persecution against you. I know the government is against the church. I get it. And you've persevered. You've done great. But yet I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken you have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen! Exclamation point. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You know, I just think in this moment that I just sense even the Holy Spirit right now is grabbing us by the shirt collar and saying, look, I want you to listen to this. This is very important. If you do not follow this, you could, you could run the risk of losing your spiritual influence in somebody else's life. You, your, your light could become so much more dim if you do not heed the words that I'm telling you right now. You can do all these great things for God. But if you do not have love, for God and for people, you will have missed the greatest joy of serving God. I don't know about you, but in this moment right now, I just feel led to say, I want a passionate, on-fire love relationship with God more than anything else. And am I always there? No. Am I always on fire for Jesus? No. Because I am, like the Bible says, a fallen person. The question is not, have I lost it? But the question is, when did I leave it? So that's what he says here in verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. It's not that I lost my passion. It's that I left my passion. How did we leave it? Get distracted by things of the world. Get distracted by my own selfishness fall into some kind of sin, fall into some kind of behavior, get a bad attitude, 
um, maybe just angry with the things that are going on in life or life isn't working out the way you wanted and you prayed and prayed and it's not working out the way you want and therefore you're taking it out on God internally. I, I don't know. You could fill in the blank in any area of life. We've all been there. Here's the question. When I have left my passion for God, how do I get it back? That's really the question. And I think it's really, really simple. God gave us a wonderful prescription. It's not so much the excitement and emotion that we're looking for. What we're looking for is the depth of God's love for you and your love for him. I liken it to this. You know, Jesus is so wonderful in his teaching. Jesus was a great storyteller. Um, Jesus would tell a parable or a story, and then he would hit us with the truth. Relationship with God is much like a relationship with marriage. It, it mirrors almost the same things. Um, when we first met our spouse, we were excited. We fell in love with them. We talked till two in the morning. We would drive hundreds of miles to meet them. Our heart pitter-pattered a little bit more when they came into the room, right? All those things. Our emotion was really high. It was a lot of infatuation. Nothing wrong with that. But we know that a relationship can't be sustained on emotion because there's sometimes in marriage, after being married for years, you're not excited like you were in the beginning. But here's the question. Is my the depth of my love growing for my spouse. I think sometimes we get it messed up because we're looking for this emotion and excitement that we had when we received Christ, but it's going to be different now. The depth of our love for God grows when we're chasing an excitement or enthusiasm, and God says, don't chase that because feelings come and go. I want you to chase after me passionately out of the depth of my love for you and your love for me. So what do we do? I think the word is really clear in Revelation. He says, look, I want you to remember the things that you did. So the first thing I want to do, what was I doing when I first met Jesus? Man, when I first met the Lord, I didn't miss a church service. I wanted to worship God. I wanted to sing those songs. I was listening to my pastor. I was reading my Bible. Man, I was going on that mission trip to Mexico and serving people in need. I was serving people around me. I was, you know, praying and doing all those things and sharing with my friends about Jesus Christ. I want you to return. I want you to remember those things you were doing, and I want you to return to those things. And that requires me to repent and turn from what I'm not doing. So I have to recognize, remember, number one. Number one is remember. Number two is repent, man. Repent is just to turn. Turn away from the things that are distracting me from my relationship with God and, and, and ask Him to, to, to forgive me. It's just 1 John 1, 9. It's so simple. If I confess my sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and purify me from all my unrighteousness. So that tells me if I sincerely confess it before him, he forgives, washes the slate clean, and now we start over again, which leads to number three. I want to redo. We can do a redo with God. Isn't it cool how God gives us 12-hour days and 12-hour nights or 8-hour nights? When we go to sleep at night, we get an opportunity to redo the day over because God knows that we need a redo. And I think that's what he's saying here is redo the things that brought you the greatest joy when you first met me. Return to those things. And number four, I think really clear, is God can restore all that. He can restore all that. And he promises he will restore that. So my encouragement is don't panic because you lost it. You didn't lose it. You left it. And now I just want to do those things that Christ calls me to do. And just like he told the Ephesian church to do, 
Okay, number two is this. Um, how do I fix those broken relationships? Man, we all have had a broken relationship. Um, and Jesus gave us a pretty clear prescription in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, just turn over there really quick. Jesus gave us the blueprint on how to do relationships right. And also when relationships don't go right, how can we fix them? All right, Matthew chapter 7, he says, verses 1 to 5, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. So I think sometimes what we do in relationships, and maybe we've done this, and let's identify the problem, okay? We got a broken relationship, a relationship that's been strained. We've been divorced. We've said something we shouldn't have said. We've done something we shouldn't have done, and the relationship has gone south. I think one of the reasons that they go south is because we often take something like this, a magnifying glass, and we're focusing and looking at something small in someone's life in a relationship, and we magnify that thing, and then we get all discombobulated in that relationship, and we have a bad response to something that somebody did, and we say what we shouldn't have said, and we did what we shouldn't have said, all because we magnify something that God had no intention of us magnifying. Why, are, why am I looking at the speck in my brother's eye? You know, if you look far enough in somebody's life, you'll find something. Because we're all fallen. We're all sinful. We all have made mistakes. Here's a question I have. Where in the relationship have you picked up the magnifying glass and you're making this thing bigger than it really is? That's really the question. Yes, they love Jesus with all their heart. They know God. They love God. So why am I picking up the magnifying glass and looking at their life when I haven't even looked at my own life? Am I ma Here's another question. Am I magnifying what they are not? Have I set standards for a friend that there's no way that they can ever meet that standard? Do I have an unrealistic standard in their life? Do they have something that I want? And I'm magnifying that. Now, here's the flip side of this. Um, Instead of picking up the magnifying glass, let's say there's a relationship that's gone south. I'm going to choose to put this thing down. That doesn't mean that I'm going to ignore or deny the fact that there might be problems in a relationship, but I'm not going to focus on that. I think what we need to do is pick up something like this. We all know what this is. This is just a mirror that shows me me. That's what Jesus was saying. Why am I looking at my brother with this thing? and focusing on his faults or her faults when I should be picking up the mirror and looking at me. In fact, Jesus gets really clear. He gets right to the fact and he says, you hypocrite. Pastor Mike, where am I being hypocritical in a relationship? Words are powerful. So here's the question I have in relationships that we have that have gone south. Am I using a magnifying glass or am I using the mirror to look at myself? When I was in Hawaii, I'll just share this really quick. I was serving as a youth pastor, loved every minute of it. We had been invited by my senior pastor invited my wife and I to go to their house for lunch after church one Sunday. So their families having fun around the table. They just, their family was awesome. We loved hanging out with them. 
It's a lot of laughter and fun. And so as we're eating, um, his wife, the pastor's wife, looked over at him and very sincerely and with every ounce of authenticity she had, she said that, as she held his wrist, that was an awesome sermon today. She looked into her husband's eyes and gave him the biggest compliment. And because it was so sincere and just so truthful, I just saw him just light up. I will never forget that moment. That was 20 some years ago. I remember that moment. Words are powerful. When I can focus on the things that I need to focus on in my own life with Jesus, it enables me to look at the things that are positive in somebody else's life, and I can exemplify that. I can compliment them. That is huge. So, am I treating people like garbage and say that I love God? Because that's impossible. In fact, the book of James even tells us, dude, you can't love God and hate your brother. It doesn't work like that. But we can be so sneaky about it. We can fool ourselves and fool others in doing all these good things, but we're missing the love in our heart for the other person because we're so magnifying the things that are wrong. So here's um, four steps really quick that hopefully will help you to fix a relationship. I know I'm going to be working on these things. Number one is this. When I feel like I need to go to someone and fix a relationship, number one, the timing. The timing of that is really important. And I think good timing comes with good prayer. That's number two. If I pray about the timing of talking to somebody, it will go so much better. And number three is this. Having the steps to repair require number four, I statements. I just want to leave you with this. When I make you statements to somebody, you always do this. When you did this, you made me feel. Why did you do that? When you do that, if you stop doing that, those kind of statements cause defensiveness. I statements bring healing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just want to do what the Word of God says. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be honest and real and authentic. So when I sit down with somebody and say, hey, I want to talk about our friendship. I want to talk about this marriage. I want to talk about the, the relationship that we have. I want to take responsibility for how this relationship has gone south. What can I do to repair this? How can I make this right with you? Do you see how this works? When I make I statements and then I listen and I write things down, when they respond, that shows them that I'm really, really wanting to make this work and I'm taking what they say to heart. My father always taught me, and I'll end with this, humility always wins. If I take the humble way out and use the mirror instead of the magnifying glass, I will be able, I think, through the power of God, you will be able to repair and fix some of those relationships. So I leave you with this. Repair those relationships. Get it done quickly. Do it with God's timing and chase after God and he will return that passion. Father, I just thank you that you are a God that is always truthful and loving and kind. And God, I just pray for anyone listening to this. It might be a good share message. Someone watching this, God, I just pray that we truly would do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll see you next week at MVCC. Know that we're always open on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for a live service, and we're always online. God bless you, and I hope this has been helpful for you.